everyone. I am Kathleen Watkins of Outlive Your Life, the workshop where you learn to write your life story two pages at a time. I'm I'm hearing you in your mind saying, how do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) I heard it. Am I right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to explain that to you. Uh, Let me share this with you. I believe that every person has a unique story. There's no such thing as two stories being the same, right? As a life story writing coach and memoir teacher, I believe everyone should take the time to put their story on paper. That's Mm -hmm. right. It's different. It's not like just telling it orally. There is a difference when you actually put pen to paper. I say, why not just forgive yourself for all your past mistakes all the past sorrow, and just pat yourselves on the back for all the good times and sit down and write that story. Now, why do I say this with such urgency? Because writing your life story is not only a gift to yourself, but also a gift to your family and friends, as well as generations of family to come. Imagine your grandchild's grandchildren being able to read about you. Isn't that exciting? Mm. Yeah, that and that could very well happen. What do you think about that, Brad? Uh, so you have guests here, huh? Yes, I do. We do have <laughs> guests here. We do have guests here. We have... Brad, Brad, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I was born and raised in Oklahoma City, and uh, I've stuck around. Mm-hmm. Traveled all over the world, but Oklahoma City is home because it's the great, greatest city in the world to me. Um, I'm married. I have two children, and my wife and I run an organization called The Sparrow Project that walks alongside the resettled refugee community here. Uh, in friendship, advocacy, and community development activities. Okay. Brad, I, I definitely recommend that you document uh, your story. And, of course, what you're doing now, your, your organization, all of that is so important. And I do have another guest, Mr. Byron Jackson. <laughs> Hello. Who are you? Well, I first I'd like to start with my complaints. Uh, your other guest, Kelly, completely moved me out out of an office, and so now I have no office. So this is the only reason I'm on this podcast is I have no place to sit. Uh, well, 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 Byron, Mr. Jackson, yes. this is not the complaint center. It's not. <laughs> you have to take those somewhere else. I okay? am a, I'm, a, I'm the executive director here at Possibilities, and we're just really fortunate, happy, and just giddy to have you doing a podcast, Kathleen. So. I'm excited, and thanks so much for the opportunity. And I would be remiss if I left out Miss Kelly Johnson. Aww, tell Thank us you. about you. Well, thanks for having me, Kathleen. 
Um, I am the assistant director here at Possibilities, and I I grew up in Houston, Texas, and I spent um, my the decade of my twenties in New York City, and then when we my my husband and we started our family, we came back to Oklahoma City, which is near to his family and mine, mm-hmm. and uh, so we've been here for about thirteen years now, and I have to say. Even though I'm not originally an Okie, I think I'm an Okie now. <laughs> it's hard, hard to pass up that opportunity. And uh, so we have we have two children in Oklahoma City, and we are. I'll say it again, but I am super excited to see what stories are going to come out of this podcast. And we're so excited to have you on the Building Bridges platform as a community partner. So thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have been doing this for a little while now, and I'm always amazed at the stories that um, people have to share. And they always say when they begin to write how uh, memories come up that they hadn't thought about in years. Mm. And I will say that I have had people to really get emotional really emotional. But let me let me explain to you what this process is all about. First of all, um, as I stated, I am a guided autobiography instructor. And guided autobiography is a method used to help individuals to document their story. Mm-hmm. And it was discovered by a gerontologist by the name of Dr. James Buren in California. Uh, He taught at UCLA, and he worked with elderly people. And a group of people he was working with, he was really having a hard time with them. I mean, he said they were just depressed. Mm. He couldn't bring them out of it. And he was about to give up on it. And then he just said one day, okay, just go home and write a story about yourself. He did that. They came back and he said it exploded. Mm. When they started to share their stories with their fellow classmates, then everyone just came alive. Mm -hmm. And they were just truly touched First of all, when you read it out loud, something about that. And then other people are listening to you. I mean, giving you their undivided attention. Mm -hmm. And then after they hear your story, they give you feedback. And they point out things that you probably haven't even thought about. Now, this is not critical, (laughs) you know, they're not critical. We are always encouraging and supportive. And what most people feel is that they say, I was just so happy that someone listened to me. Because believe it or not, a lot of people think that their stories don't matter. Nobody wants to listen to them. And just to have someone to listen or that they haven't even done anything special. They haven't done anything worthy of a story, you know, even. But when you dive in and you really well, think about it. I, I was actually reading uh, last night about the origin of the word nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And it comes from um, 
remembering, it says home and pain Mm -hmm. as a combination of the word home and pain. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes what it was talking about is that really um, we have stories in our past that still hook us with pain. And so to remember them is to actually sometimes, because our nostalgia might not be based on fact. Mm. Like we might have had a perception of something that happened to us that really was, it might have been different from what really happened. And so really writing, to me, writing your autobiography helps to free you from some of the stories that you might have about yourself that may cause you pain and sadness and um, hurt. That is, that's very true. Auto, guided autobiography is, um, it's ther- therapeutic, you know. It's not yeah. therapy, but it is therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And I think that every time you sit down to write, and you actually bring out all of that, all of those emotions, putting it on paper is healing for you. Now, you said it doesn't mean that these things actually happen. It's only your perception, uh, which is your truth. Yes. It's, your, it's our truth. That's and you right. can't really take that away. It's just like mm-hmm. if the four of us went to see the same movie. Mm-hmm. We would have different <laughs> stories. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, we would see something that maybe you didn't see. Exactly. Siblings. You ever you talk yeah. to your siblings about what yeah, happened? Yeah. And yeah. you'll say, you'll be telling your story. And they'll say, no, it didn't happen like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's. Well, well in our time, could I ask a question? Yes, sir. Dr. Dr. Kathleen. So, mm-hmm. so we have Brad here. Could you practice uh, him so we could kind of get a feel of what it's like? Well, let me let me explain the program to you because I can't really practice. You can't, Brad. And I, and let mm-hmm. me explain why. Okay, this is what happens at an actual class. Mm-hmm. Each week, the class is given a theme to write on, a universal theme. Now, the class can consist of anywhere from three to. 10, 12 people, mm-hmm. and they usually last from four to 10 weeks. It depends on the instructor. Mm-hmm. We give you a theme such as write about the turning points in your life. Mm-hmm. That's always a good one. Mm-hmm. And then we have what we call sensitizing questions to help you write your story. Now, we ask that you write about two pages because of time, of course. But a lot of times, once you start writing, you write a lot more than that. But And that's good. But you, you can only read, you know, a certain amount in the, uh, in the actual classroom. You read it, and then your fellow classmates, they, they're listening very attentively to you. And then they share with you uh, their insight, you know, on your story. Can can we do like a little snippet of something with where we're eliciting a story from Brad just so 
from people listening. Why don't we all think of a turning point in okay, our life? Okay, that's a like very. A little... Can we share a turning point? Okay, sure. Okay, so who? Wa- okay, share. Maybe you can think of a person or an event mm-hmm. or some kind of situation in your life that turned you around. I, I have one. Okay, you're ready. Yes. So when we, so I grew up in Lawton until I was seven. And uh, it was a very safe community. Um, I mean, I never, there was never a door locked. There was, uh, I just would run in, I'd run into every refrigerator on the block. I mean, I would go in the front door. <laughs> and uh, out the back. Out the back. <laughs> and I'd grab me something. And I mean, there Can't was. Can't you just see it? Totally. I can. There, there was just so much uh, comfort and safety there. My family moved to Denver. And we were in Denver and we stayed in a rooming house. And I, we knew no one, we really knew no one in the rooming house except the lady that ran it was named Aunt B, and her husband was Uncle Bill. And we had been there probably about three weeks, and my father's mother died. And so the whole rest of my family left and went to New Orleans for about three weeks to that funeral and left me uh, with these people that I didn't know. And so I suddenly had to navigate this entire city uh, by myself. And that was like a huge turning point in terms of uh, set up the dynamics in me that really to not trust anyone, that everything was up to me. And uh, I got introduced to, I mean, in that three weeks, like sex and stealing. And I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that happened um, in that three weeks, and so I just felt it was a huge turning point in my life. Can I ask I, how I, old? How old were you? I was eight. Wow, that's big. I agree. That was indeed a turning point, and you you've never forgotten it. No, it I was don't. right at the forefront of your mind yeah. because you were able to share it. Yeah, just yeah. like that, mm-hmm. details and all. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Brad and Kelly, what? leaped out at you from his story. What did you think of it? Go ahead, Brad. I think just the idea of feeling alone, kind of overwhelmed, disoriented, having to navigate so many new experiences Um, as a young child, going from a safe place to an unsafe and unknown area. um, I can see very well how that would cause you to really protect yourself and um, how some those um, that could linger for a long time. Um, so I, I just imagine a, a boy on a block looking at a skyscraper and a road mm-hmm. to the right and a road to the left and not knowing where to go mm-hmm. and people just passing you by and not having anyone to help you figure out where to go to get a bag of chips or something. It's just, um, that would be such a daunting thing. So I I imagine a young boy with a perspective almost behind him in a gigantic towering building. Yeah. Um, That's kind of what. Overwhelming. Yeah, just a totally overwhelming feeling. Well said. Well said. I was, it's interesting as I was listening to you, I was imagining, I think that 
I was imagining you as a young teen in this. And so mm-hmm. when, when I asked and you shared that you were only eight, it wrapped it into this perspective. I just wanted to protect you, you know, like I didn't know like how, how could you reach out and, and protect that little boy, you know? So there's a lot of poignancy, I think is the thing that stuck out to me. I was taken by you saying that this was only a three week period Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how quickly, how quickly yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, how quickly you can change. It doesn't take long. And what if a child is in that situation for years? Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Long Only time. three weeks, then there you are. And it left you being uh, a person who was, was unable to trust. Come wholly changed. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally changed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay. that's that was a very um, good turning point. Byron. But this was just an example of of what happens. Yeah. While the person is sharing their story, usually everyone in the class, it brings back memories of their own. You know, they start thinking about, oh, God, at eight years old, what was I doing? Mm-hmm. Or even your children. I thought about my grandson. He's eight years old. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't imagine. So I have a question. Uh-huh. Had had you thought of a turning point, Brad, before Byron started sharing? Had you thought of one for yourself? Mm-hmm. Okay, I had to. Did it change at all? After you know, listening through, did it bring up other things? Or I, I it did. It actually incited uh, a sense of um, deprivation would be the word that mm. I grew up with at a young age, mm-hmm. and that lasted a very long time. Mm over like probably 20 years um and just that it's kind of a gnawing feeling like who's going to come and give me the wisdom who's going to show me what to do Mm -hmm. like i'm i don't know what to do Mm. and if i do the wrong thing i'll suffer greatly for it i probably i might not have the resources to recover so the calculation Mm. the calculation that you have to develop to navigate relationships which mm. I believe you have from what I know about you. You have a keen connection to human behavior. And I think that that could possibly be a mechanism of survival moving forward. You're so intuitive and in tune with uh, mm. human beings because... Um, who's you know, safe and who's not. That's right. And You're you, very you, keen on you it. You had to be. And yeah. so you have to do that. So that that's mm. what um, triggered in me... I have a similar orientation to life, and uh, I didn't realize that. But my mind began to, at about five years old, mm. and it became highly tuned by about the time I was 14. Mm. And uh, it didn't happen for me in a moment. It happened yeah. in a series of yeah. a thousand days, you know. Yeah. So it was interesting. What was the original turning point that you thought of? I thought of the turning point as a positive. Um, so um, I grew up uh, in a home where we all suffered mental illness and addiction. And uh, I counted a miracle and a great um, 
skill of my parents to keep the family intact in that situation. But there was a turning point when uh, uh, my my brothers were um, selling dope, <laughs> and uh, a snitch came over to the house and set them up for accounts of distribution and wow. everything else. And so our house got raided by the SWAT team, and it was my parents had no idea what was happening. Uh, my mother was in the bathtub at the time. The door swings open and somebody's got a nine millimeter pointed at her. And, um, anyways, it was very traumatic and we were on the edge anyways, financially, emotionally and everything else. And so um, that set in motion a series of uh, catastrophic events. And I give credit to my father and mother for pulling together a plan that was so radical that really kept my father in a paycheck-to-paycheck situation for the rest of his life. But he secured a lawyer, and my brothers uh, got a reduced sentence in a you know military-style prison. But what that did is it kind of set me on a, on a journey of displacement. I always looked to my brothers, went to the same parties, hung out with the same people, da-da-da-da-da, and all of a sudden that support network was removed, which was probably good because I was hanging out with people that were more gangster, they were more violent, they were more ambitious to become dope dealers. And so um, there was a church called Baptist Temple on 30th and Villa, and they had built a a gymnasium, and it was a community outreach, and when they built it in the 70s or 80s, it was just outlandish for a church to spend that much money on a a gymnasium. Um, But I found myself in there playing basketball, and uh, I was at a loss. My friends ditched me that night. We were going to go break into cars and do whatever. And I walked in there and was hooping and some dorky <laughs> youth pastor with a braided belt and some, you know, uh, you know, he was just a goofball, you know. He's like, hey, buddy, how's it going, man? Glad to have you. And I was like, whatever, dude. You know, like, you don't know nothing about me, you know. And he was like, well, if you want to play basketball, why don't you come join us? And I was like, nah, I'm cool. And he was like, well, you know, this is just going to be 30 minutes and we can go back and play. And then I went in there and he was uh, sharing a story and preaching out of the book of the Bible. Romans chapter 12 said, um, I beg you brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And then you will be able to prove what God's good and perfect will is in your life. And at that moment I had a true conversion experience, a very intimate internal conversation that set me on a path and I walked up to that guy and told him I I think I just got saved I'm not sure what that means but he took me under his wing he was a summer intern uh, at a quote-unquote inner city church and I was the inner city kid uh, doing inner city activities and this guy took me and mentored me on a daily basis he was a fantastic musician he was a passionate person he told me, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Be be 100% sold out. And so he set me on a path of uh, prosperity emotionally and spiritually that I draw on to this day. And so I want to thank Clint Paschal uh, for taking the time to invest in a kid. He saved my life, really. That's, that's amazing. Oh, what a story. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really so impressed at how it was so easy for you and Byron to tell your stories. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very impressive. 
I think that might be the power of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, the power. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, like I said, most people we don't. Th- there is something about significant in that, and people actually sitting down writing it and not just telling it mm-hmm. like you guys are. It's yeah. something about the actual writing is yeah. part of the process, and that's why it's uh, it's required that you do the writing. A person actually does. I agree. I knowing the writing, knowing Brad, and <laughs> may just I mean we have spent years and years kind of writing and rewriting these pieces mm-hmm. of our life uh, just to get through it and to grow. But I agree. I think the writing yeah. is very very important. But I know that Brad has before. I know that I I there's parts I have to I've had to write. To kind of get that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something. I don't. Something. I don't. It involves everything. Like we say, we there are four rooms to us. Was it the physical room, the mental room, the emotional room, and there's a spiritual room. And it's necessary, really, for us to open all those rooms. Mm. Mm-hmm. in order to yeah. get freedom. Mm. And once we open them, you know, let them let that air go through them, tell those stories, then we can sit back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not be afraid anymore. Yeah. That's right. You know, that's yeah. so uh, interesting you yeah. say it like yeah. that because all of my experience was um, categorized in one room. Yeah. This is your spirit. Everything uh, has to be spiritual, but really it had to fit into the religious yeah. Framework. Uh, it left me incomplete. And so uh, as I'm growing older, I'm beginning to open up the other rooms. Open up the windows, turn the yes. attic fan on, start letting the yeah. <laughs> start letting air the those circulate. rooms yeah. out. Yeah. That open makes a lot of up. sense. Yeah. That makes yeah. a lot of sense because we're whole it does. we're whole human beings. Mm-hmm. That's we're, right. We're getting close to the end of our time. Uh but Kelly uh, hadn't got this yeah. share. I well, I had a thought since we are we are at the end of our time. But uh, how much time did, is that? She gave us five minutes about oh, ten so minutes ago. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> the sign of a good conversation. But I thought it'd be a neat cue to all the all of the people listening out there is to take that little exercise that we did of just thinking about a turning point in your life and go write it down. See what happens. Yeah, or you can come and join one of my workshops. That's right. And let's do it. (laughs) The next step. Because, see, the thing is, a lot of people say, they're there, I'm going to write my life story. I'm going to write my life story. Mm -hmm. And you may even start, but then it becomes overwhelming for you. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And then you end up putting it in a drawer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to do it with other people who's doing who are doing the same thing. The group dynamic is really powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I want Thank to just guys. end. One, huh? one minute. Okay. Oh, you okay, got I want to just end by just saying this. Okay, your story, remember this, is the most important part of who you are. The struggles, the failures, and the successes, and everything else that goes in between. So start documenting your life story and own it. Outlive Your Life is a part of the Breaking Ice, Building Bridges community podcast platform brought to you by Possibilities.